What if Cha Kui Tiao was like the gospel presentation? That is the series that we're currently on. And we are on episode 6, which is If Cha Kui Tiao was like the gospel presentation, what does it reveal regarding how does God save helpless sins? Right in the last episode, uh, we, we spoke about what is the condition of man. Right? And uh, that, that is the problem because we must correctly define the problem so that we have the right solution. And God has, through his word, shown us that the real problem is that man is totally depraved and has this inability to save themselves and be reconciled to God. They are unable to pay this debt that they owe God ever since Adam and Eve. They're born with this sinful condition. Not just that they sometimes, once in a while, does evil. No, they are fundamentally uh, evil from the heart uh, because they are idolatrous. They, they, would, they, want, they themselves want to be God. And, and so they, they, we sin. We sin every single day in our thoughts, in our words, and our actions. And what is the consequence of sin? Well, other, other than um, being separated from God, the consequence of that is that we are under His wrath. And so what does man need to be saved from? Yes, in the short term, man does need to be saved from uh, being, being oppressed by, by Satan, by uh, a, a fallen world, and even from self-destruction, from the sinful and foolish choices of ourselves. But the real, real problem that we need help is to be saved from the wrath of God. Let's, let's just go quickly to Ephesians 2 real quick and just look at that. Ephesians chapter 2. Um, and Ephesians chapter 2 says here in verses uh, 1, it says here, you, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of, the, of this world, according to the prince of the power of the, of the air, the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of, of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. So, children of wrath, children who were under um, also the wrath of God. And, and um, this is our greatest, greatest problem here. Our greatest danger is that all of us have an appointment. We have a meeting one day with, uh, with the Creator, with the Holy Judge, who will hold us accountable to everything that we have taught, uh, said, and, and done. Uh, regardless of whether you are a successful businessman, you are a student, you are a homemaker, you are uh, whatever profession it is. Uh, whether you're young or old, all the days that God gives us, right? He has drawn a line and, and no man can pass beyond that line, right? Some he gives more days and some he gives less, but we will have to meet him, right? This, and it, it is very, very wise to be prepared for this meeting, to in fact, look forward to this meeting. If, if you know God that he is holy and righteous, but yet merciful, right? you want to run to him now and, and you want to look forward to see him face to face for this meeting. And so, the, the, what did God do to save helpless sinner? Well, he sent his one and only son. He sent Christ the Messiah to 
be their substitute. Right? And this Christ the Messiah, this substitute, had to be truly God and truly man. Because only God can save from God. Right? So, so Jesus Christ, according to the scriptures, is truly God and truly man. That, and, and because of that, he can be our advocate. He can be our substitute. Now, this is where we just touched very briefly on. God has revealed himself to be a triune God, right? a divine being who is a triune being. What does that mean? He is. He, he says repeatedly, he reveals himself. And remember, I think we've mentioned this, we cannot know God unless he reveals himself to us. On a horizontal level, if, um, if your family member doesn't reveal the deepest parts of their hearts, it's very, very hard for us to know them. We have to keep probing and asking questions. And if they don't respond, we can't, we, we're only left at, at best with guesses of what someone that we love or someone that we care about is thinking. And um, horizontally, we, we, but of course, we can observe that person right? and over time see the patterns of his life and, or her life. And uh, we come to the conclusions of what is really in the heart of that person. Um, but with God, um, we at best only have creation, right? Creation, God does reveal himself in creation. We look at creation and we kind of see that there is a creator, but it is fuzzy. But there is not just natural revelation, there's divine revelation. God has chosen to reveal himself to us and he has spoken to us, right? Through a collection of uh, uh, his historical writings, he has recorded his thoughts for us, preserved it, so that we can know him, right? the unchanging uh, God that he is. And, and that's humbling, because we cannot know God unless God reveals him. So God has revealed himself, and he has revealed that he is, a, he is, uh, he is one, right? God is one, uh, but yet he is also a triune being, right? One, one essence, three persons. And this is a mystery, how does this work? But God has revealed that much. Now, uh, out of the out of out of the um, Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, how does He save helpless sinners? He say He saves helpless sinners by sending His Son, right, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, as truly God and truly man, into the world. So this is now another term we have here called hypostatic union, right? God as truly God and truly man. Now. To make this simple, really, this 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 is easily explained by by goalkeepers in football, right? The goalkeeper, when he stands within his goalkeeping box, he's allowed to use all parts of his body, really, right? He has full abilities, uh, uh, right foot, right foot abilities. He just use all parts of his body to prevent the ball from entering the goalpost, right? Um, and and uh, when he steps out of that goalkeeping box. He has to limit himself now and only use his feet, just like all the other players. Now, all the other players, when they enter the goalkeeping box, they don't have the same powers as the goalkeeper, right? So the, the goalkeeper really is, is a very simple example of hypostatic union. He, the goalkeeper can function, right, uh, in this goalkeeping role and even play as a normal player, right? Uh, and so we see this happening I mean, all the time, in, in uh, even among horizontal horizontal relationships here right sometimes uh, we pay, play multiple roles but but they only work in different settings right and so god 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 here limited himself 
by entering the world. In Ephesians 2, uh, we, we, we see how Jesus limited, he emptied himself. That doesn't mean he ceased being God, but he limited his, his, his uh, God abilities to enter the world and experience uh, human life, right? In the, in the book of Mark, you see how he, he came as a suffering servant. He wept, he was hungry, he, he experienced great pain, he suffered. He suffered as a, as a servant to serve God, to fulfill uh, the purposes of, purposes of his Father in heaven. And, and this, he is the only substitute that is acceptable to God. So he came and he lived a perfect life, perfect in every way. Right? He loved God with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is, this is our greatest sin here. We, we don't love God. Because that's the greatest command, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love others, right, as, as uh, he has loved us. And, and Christ did that for us. He lived the perfect life, and he offered it up as a living sacrifice, right? In Psalm 22, um, you can go there if you can. It's a beautiful, beautiful prophetic psalm written by David a thousand years before the crucifixion. And... The title of this psalm is, My God, My God, Why Have You Forsaken Me? That might sound familiar because that is what Jesus said from the cross. Eli, Eli, Laba Satani, right? So that's, that's the, when, when he declared that from the cross, everyone who was watching and listening, the rest of this psalm would have come to their mind that, and, and it would have made sense to them that, okay, this psalm is being fulfilled here by this person, this, this Messiah. And, and in that psalm, you will see very graphic uh, uh, descriptions, right? Written by someone who doesn't even know what crucifixion is, right? King David, when he, when he wrote this, doesn't know what, king, what, what crucifixion is. And the scenes are fulfilled right, at the cross. So Psalm 22, and so Jesus offered himself as a living sacrifice. In Isaiah 52, another prophetic passage there, which speaks about the Son. It says that God, I think we should go there, Psalm 52. Let's go there real quick. Uh, sorry, Isaiah 52. Isaiah 52. All right. Oh, sorry, it's Isaiah 53, not 52. Isaiah 53, uh, which is the a very key key chapter, right, in, in, the, in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 53, verse 10, it says that, But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. If he would render himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offerings and he will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. It, it pleased God. To crush his son. This is not in a sadistic way. This is not in a in a you know. Oh yeah, I just I, I just like to I, I just like to hurt people. No, this whole purpose that birthed out the heart of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, uh, sending the Son to fulfill this this uh, uh, this role as Savior was it pleased God, and to fulfill this role as Savior, He needed to offer. Uh, restitution for the sins of those who would repent and believe because they cannot save themselves they cannot pay for their sins but christ can because he is the perfect sacrifice he is the perfect substitute 
And so it pleased God to crush his son for our sins. And you know, over the next uh, several episodes, we're going to look at what else God did to save helpless sinners. One, he regenerated them. Those who were dead in their sins, he regenerated. So there's the doctrine of regeneration. He gave them a new heart with new desires. Wow, he made them a new creation. Now, they want to love God. Yes, the presence of sin remains, and, and they will struggle with sin, but there are new desires now. There are new affections. Wow, this is, this is how he saves his people. Another way he saves his people, he saves them from the penalty of sin, right? Justification. Uh, we are declared righteous. Even though we, are, we have sinned, our sins have been paid for. So we are free of the guilt and the shame because it has been fully paid for and, and accepted. So this, he saved us from the, penalty of, uh, from the penalty of sin. He also saved us from the power of sin. Sin has this enslaving power to blind, to deafen us, and to numb our hearts. Uh, and and, um, and uh, we, we are uh, slaves to it, but Christ has set us free from the power of sin to now make us slaves of Christ, slaves of righteousness. Right? This is in Romans chapter 6, verse 15 to 23. Right? Slaves saves out of darkness into the kingdom of light and now made slaves of righteousness, I mean slaves of sin to slaves of righteousness and slaves of Christ. So, and, and lastly, he has also saved us from, uh, and so saved us from the power of sin, which is sanctification. Now he has also saved us from the presence of sin, which is glorification. So for now, he has left us. The Christian life is to live life on earth, following him and continuing, continually uh, being sanctified, continuing to, to be more and more like Jesus through every situation and relationship that he has provided in our lives. Uh, and, as, and, and though there will be trials, there will be temptations, as we cling to Christ, we will grow to be more like Jesus Christ. And there is joy, there is peace. But we look forward to the day of glorification, which is when God saves us from the presence of sin, where we, we, we will be made perfect to be just like uh, uh, the nature of Christ. And we will be free completely from the power of sin, which heaven will be filled with people who love God with all their hearts, soul, mind, and strength. Right? And they can worship their Lord and Savior all the days of their lives uh, for all eternity. Right? And there is no sin. Right? There's no sin in heaven in the presence of god so this is this these are these are some of the things that that god has saved us uh has done to save helpless sinners and we will we will look at uh, the the doctrine of regeneration we'll look at uh, justification sanctification and glorification in the next couple episodes and um, so uh, be encouraged that that uh, your greatest greatest problems problem, which is separation from God and being under the wrath of God, has been dealt with by God. So God has saved repentant sinners who trust in Jesus Christ from his himself. Right? And he who has taken care of that greatest need, will he not take care of every of our other lesser needs? And, and Paul answers this in Romans, yes, he will. Yes, he will. So uh, may you be blessed and encouraged today. If you have not understood this clearly uh, in, um, at this point, may you now understand 
what God has saved you from and how he has done that, which is through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you and if you, you glory and rejoice in this, may you grow in a deeper walk with him, resolving to follow Christ even more passionately, more zealously, more wholeheartedly today, to become more like him and to long to see his face. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you're hungry for more, please subscribe and visit us at narrowgateoutpost.org.